You're listening to locally produced programming created in KUNV Studios on public radio, KUNV 91.5. The content of this program does not reflect the views or opinions of 91.5 Jazz and More, the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, or the Board of Regents of the Nevada System of Higher Education. All right, welcome to Let's Talk UNLV on KUNV 91.5. I'm your co-host, Tanya, here with Alicia. Um, today we are bringing you a conversation that is um, a very serious conversation to be had. So with that in mind, I'd like to start by telling our readers that um, today's content will, inv- will include information about domestic violence. This can be a difficult subject to talk about, and we recognize that this can be activating for some folks. So if you're on, if you're listening to us and you're listening to this particular podcast, just know that you have permission to do whatever it is that you need to take care of yourself. So please go ahead and do whatever it is you need to take care of yourself. And also note that we will be providing resources at the end of this podcast should you need support or would like to provide support for someone else. So let's kick it off with our guest today. Today, our guests are Michaela Hooper and Tara Tackett from the Gene Natick Care Center. Did I pronounce the Gene Natick right? Okay. Gene Natick Care Center. So um, typically how we start the show is by asking you your origin story, which is sort of like your, I know, right? Which is kind of like your opportunity to introduce yourself, talk about what you do and how you came to this work. So which one of you lovelies would like to start the conversation? Yeah, I can start. Um, Hi there, I'm Michaela, uh, Michaela Hooper. I am the Education Outreach Coordinator at the Care Center at UNLV. And um, I started my journey um, towards anti-violence work um, at the uh, beginning of my college experience. I was a counseling major, and that's when I uh, got to know the Care Center. I was an advocate myself, and through um, the training and the knowledge I got to learn um, a lot more about what um, advocacy looks like and what anti-violence work, uh, the impact it can make on the community. You got it. <laughs> that, that was it. Okay, we're on the same we're page. We're on point today. <laughs> Who's our, our next beautiful guest that's in the studio with us? Would you like sharing your origin story with us as well? Sure. Thank you. Um, my name is Tara Tackett. I use she, her pronouns. Um, I am the advocate coordinator at the Care Center. So uh, the Care Center has a hotline where Monday through Friday, anyone can call and speak with an advocate. So my role is essentially to recruit, train, and uh, supervise those advocates. Um, I am a UNLV graduate. So Mm. I actually used to volunteer at the Care Center with um, the other guest, Michaela. Um, And so that's where we really found our love for the Care Center and everything that it stands for and anti-violence work. Um, And here we are today. So that's sort of the origin. Wonderful. And so just so the readers are aware, so the, the content notice that we were discussing earlier that Alicia mentioned was this idea that talking about this topic can be very activating for some folks. Mm-hmm. So we wanted to put that notice in advance so that people who are in ex- or experiencing domestic violence or may know someone who's experiencing domestic violence 
who's listening to this particular podcast has an opportunity to be aware of the content and also to take care of yourself as needed. So we'll say it. We'll say it. Well, since we are um, jump starting this conversation, for those who are listening, they may not know what really classifies the actual definition of domestic violence. So could either of you all share? We'll start with you maybe and maybe your own in, um, intake and you know definition of what is domestic violence? How would you classify it? Yeah, so um, that's a really good question. And like you said, a lot of people might not know um, the definition or what that looks like. And so um, I know that at our office, we talk about domestic violence uh, along with interpersonal violence. And so we're gonna, I'm gonna kind of talk about um, what those look like, the differences between them. And so um, while domestic violence might appear to be the same thing as interpersonal violence, they definitely overlap. Uh, but domestic violence and inter- intimate partner violence are two different things and they do have different meanings. Um, Domestic violence are abusive behaviors used as a form of exerting power and control over another person. Um, At the care center, that is the main thing that we try to communicate people to people that um, domestic violence and uh, sexual violence and other forms of violence, the root of that is power and control over another person. And so with domestic violence specifically, that kind of talks about that power and control within a household or within um, relationships that are uh, familial or not familial in a household. Um, And then when we talk about interpersonal violence, um, that can occur uh, regardless of whether people are living together or not. Um, So that's kind of the difference between those two um, definitions, yeah. Mm, Very informative. Thank you so much for that clarification Mm -hmm. because I've seen those two types show up and I wasn't sure where the overlap was. So you did a really great job of explaining that. Mm -hmm. Thanks. So can we talk about the types of abuse or interpersonal violence that occurs and um, what what forms do abuse typically take or what are some ways in which abuse shows up in relationships? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So our office primarily works with folks who are impacted by power-based violence. Um, So this means that any type of action or behavior that is intended to control, intimidate, or otherwise diminish a person's autonomy. So um, this is kind of like an umbrella term, and it can include sexual violence, relationship violence, family violence, and or um, interpersonal stalking. So our office often uses a tool with working with clients called the power and control wheel. And it essentially like breaks down the different tactics that um, abusers or perpetrators use to gain power and control over a person. So it's often really helpful to identify abuse and control tactics happening in a relationship. And this is one of the ways that we can sit and identify it with people because they often come to us with a lot of confusion, a lot of shame. They don't really know what's going on. And so we're like, hey, like, here's how we can shame, uh, shamelessly, excuse me, break this down for you. Um, so I know we do kind of, we dive into um, the very different types uh, a little bit on too, if you want. You know, one one form of violence that that was surprising to me because I hadn't really considered it as a form of abuse was economic and financial. Yes. Mm -hmm. And how that relates to power and control and also spiritual. Yes. Spiritual is another one that was amazing to me. Can you share a little bit about what um, economic violence or economic abuse or 
uh, relationships around power and control related to money and spirituality might look like? Yeah, absolutely. I can definitely share the economic piece. Um, so uh, that is another control tactic that we see um, to gain power and control is that someone might control a person's finances. Um, and this can look like they are the sole income earner in the household. Um, so therefore, they quite literally have the control. Oftentimes, you'll see them forcing joint bank accounts. Um, you can also potentially uh, have an abuser uh, destroy a person's credit and put it under their partner's name mm -hmm. um, and uh, along with like loans and whatnot. So that's the type of financial uh, abuse that we see um, very often in our work. Yeah. Unbelievable. Isn't that something? Well, you mentioned that there's some sometimes people may come in and they're confused um, and you use the strategy and a tactic to kind of walk them through identifying if in fact you're, you know, facing some form of abuse. So my next question will be because uh, I know that a lot of listeners may think, oh, we automatically kind of think when domestic violence, we think of women. But mm -hmm. um, what types of people experience domestic violence? Yeah, I'll pass yeah. that off to Michaela here. Yeah, that's a, a really great point. Mm -hmm. There's, especially in society, we have, when we think of domestic violence, um, we have major things that come up. And it's usually kind of like how we've been talking about the different forms of abuse. Mm -hmm. When we think of domestic violence, we typically only think of physical abuse abuse. Um, and when we think of domestic violence, like you said, we think of women or um, battered women as people have used that term in the past. Um, but here at the care center, um, we like people to know um, that anyone can be a uh, victim survivor of domestic abuse. And um, that is regardless of age, race, um, and it's really important for people to know, too, that um, women, men, queer folk, disabled people, um, mm -hmm. elders and children, um, anyone, when you think of a home, um, any one of those uh, type of people can be affected by domestic violence. Um, and so it's definitely doesn't just look one way or the other. Um, and that's really important to recognize so that um, you don't uh, miss out on those potential signs um, with domestic violence. Yeah, that's good, yeah. Yeah, thank you for that information. Um, <clears throat> something I, I also wanted to sort of touch on as we talk about potential warning signs, I know technology mm -hmm. is another method by which abuse is now oh, administered. Yeah. So I want to talk about what might be some of the warning signs either in person, person to person, or in terms of technology use that might be attributed or might be um, a sign. Absolutely. So I have like a whole list that we're going to go through mm -hmm. as Love potential it. warning signs of abuse. That, Fabulous. You know, listeners can really look out for with your friend's family or just for your own knowledge. Um, but I'll touch base on what you said about like technology. Um, so that is very true. I mean, we have devices that quite literally track our every move. Mm, yeah. um, and so with that, we one of the things that we offer our clients is safety planning. Um, and so we can safety plan about anything and everything and sometimes that it does involve technology so we always want to share with the client that we are frustrated with them that they have to go through these measures mm. but sometimes we recommend people to change their phone number mm -hmm. to deactivate like oh if 
typically partners like share their location with each other. Mm -hmm. We encourage them to deactivate that. Um, We encourage people to use the Rebel Safe app, which really helps like get connect to police services easily. You can even like ask an escort to walk you to class or to your dorm safely. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's definitely like some technological uh, steps that we have to take in order to protect protect people and that is an important aspect to think about um it def the advances in technology have definitely made it quite easy for stalking to happen um but that's a that's a whole other conversation so i'll stay focused oh wonderful Um, thank you of course so like we've been talking about like abusive relationships are based on an imbalance of power and control so abuse comes in many forms and it happens when one partner communicates in a way that is hurtful so this can look like threatening insulting or demeaning um is when a partner is disrespectful so if they disrespect feelings thoughts decisions opinions or the physical safety of another uh we know that physical injuries um, or hurting another partner is another warning sign of abuse. So hitting, slapping, choking, pushing or shoving is never okay. Uh, A lack of accountability is one we see pretty often. So often the perpetrator will blame the other partner for their harmful actions Mm. and will make excuses for their abusive actions and or minimizing the abusive behavior, often flipping it it on the other person, which uh, in turn really causes shame for the person experiencing the abuse. Um, We see tactics of control and isolation. So this can look like something as simple as telling them what they can and cannot wear, who they hang out with, Mm -hmm. where they can go and Mm -hmm. what they can do when they go out, um, or they threaten um, their partner to maybe out their partner to their friends and families, like in queer relationships um, or other people, or they threaten like to um like immigration status um if that is threatened yeah Yeah. um if there are children involved that's a if any any sort of threat that happens with that um threat of homelessness threat of just taking the kids away that's definitely a a huge warning sign Mm. Uh, another warning sign we see is like pressures or forces the other partner to do things that they don't want to do so um, threatens, hurts, or blackmails their partner if they resist or say no. So essentially consent is mm. um, not given here and they're abusing that. Um, for queer folks, telling their partner that they are not a real lesbian, um, bisexual, gay, queer, trans person because you don't have sex the way that they want you to. So oh, wow. that's one that's not really talked about a lot, but it does happen. Um, so those are some of the the really blatant warning signs that we can look out for. Um, obviously, that's pretty vague because it looks different for anyone. Mm. But those are some of the things that we've outlined at the care center. Some of those were sort of um, interesting and ones I hadn't thought about. You yeah. know, legal status was one that I hadn't considered. Yeah. You know, you think about safety outing someone is mm-hmm. something 
that I hadn't considered in the ways in which uh, abuse compromises safety. Absolutely, Absolutely yeah. yeah. And you even spoke earlier a little bit about spirituality. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something that can be threatened. You know, they can uh, threaten to come forth to the church and claim that they're not a good member of the church or that mm-hmm. if there is a queer person who is involved in the church, we all know that that can kind of uh, be a very intimidating thing to come out in front of your church. And so that's another threatening aspect. Yeah. And and I've also heard of people weaponizing religion, saying mm-hmm. that because of my faith, your faith, you are required to do or be these things. Yes. And um, using religion as an as a sort of a, a, an excuse or a cover for abuse. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. It has been happening from the beginning of time, it seems like, which is very <sighs> unfortunate, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm so fascinated with some of the things just as um, Tanya said in regards to things that I just did not identify or would not be aware with that being said, there are some myths and misinformation about victims of domestic violence. Can either of you share what some of those may look like and give us more information about that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, thanks for bringing that up, and it's mm-hmm. a really good question. Um, there's a lot of misconceptions um, around people and those who are affected by domestic violence in our society. Um, one myth that we commonly hear at the care center uh, around power-based violence is that um, victims lie about their abuse um, that they're experiencing um, or have experienced in the past. Um, And we know that um, that is a myth or it can be part of the myth Mm -hmm. um, because in reality, um, false allegations are extremely rare. Um, that is a topic that comes up a lot, especially when people are at the threshold of understanding um, what interpersonal violence is. And so a lot of times we'll get questions like, well, what about the people that are lying? What mm-hmm. about the people that are um, wanting to do X, Y, and Z? And so uh, we really want to make it known that um, that's actually extremely rare. And it's a part of uh, the victim blaming um, behaviors that our society uh, continues to uh, perpetuate, unfortunately. Um, And so, yeah, this mentality is really dangerous because it prevents people from seeking out support and services um, out of the fear that they won't be believed. And um, it makes me kind of think of something else uh, when we talk about domestic violence or um, inter- inter- intimate partner violence in general, the way that you talk about that um, around anybody is really important because we don't know what people have been through. Mm. And so um, you may not know that someone that you really love or are close to has been affected or impacted and the way that you talk about that and the way that you talk about victim survivors uh, makes a really big impact. So it's important to um, not victim blame. Mm-hmm. I was I wrote down here victim shaming. I don't know what the correct yes. terminology was, but I know no, that a lot of people um, are afraid to come forward and even talk about it because maybe experiencing victim shaming or blaming um, is because of or maybe it didn't happen this way. You know, so Absolutely. thank you for shedding light on that. Yeah, thank you. And another myth that we come in, commonly come across is that like domestic abuse always involves always involves physical violence Mm -hmm. um so in truth that's not the case it does not always involve physical violence any methods used to assert power and control um so some examples of that could be psychological or emotional abuse um sexual abuse financial abuse like we talked about earlier 
um, harassment and or stalking can all contribute to domestic abuse. So we want to make note of that. It's not just the physicality of it. Absolutely. And um, to go off of that as well, uh, something that we wanted to bring up was um, understanding, kind of like we talked about earlier, that anyone can uh, be a victim survivor of this. Um, it's also understanding that abuse can look um, can be present in different relationships. So even when we're just talking about domestic violence, you think of um, family, but that could also be roommates. If mm. you um, have roommates like that, or um, it could be between friends, um, between siblings. Um, there's many different relationships that abuse can be present in. Um, Cause the common sort of idea around uh, domestic violence is romantic relationships. Mm -hmm. And so we definitely sure. wanted to shed light on that. It can be through many different forms of uh, relationships. Absolutely. I, I really appreciate the expansive view, the expansive view around um, these relationships because I think you're right. I think there's a lot of misconceptions. You know, one of the things that I consistently think about DV is that it doesn't have race, class, age, you know, um, celebrity. It happens in rich homes. Mm -hmm. It happens in poor homes. Mm -hmm. People of color, white people, it, it, gay, straight, mm -hmm. queer. It it can happen just about anywhere. And the assumption oftentimes is, it could never happen to me. Ooh, mm. that's true. That's is another one. myth that I think mm -hmm. I've run across is it could never happen to me. Yeah. And oftentimes the people that are in those relationships, um, I've found that. You know, it wasn't necessarily that they intended it to be that way, but the shame was that much greater mm -hmm. Absolutely. because so it could never happen to me. That's yes. right. That's a good one. Ooh, Tanya, that's really good. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. that was the other piece. Um, I was going to talk about, since we are on a university campus, uh, since we are at UNLV on campus, should I say, do we know, and this is kind of off script, if you will, but... Our students, you know, most times we don't really hear um, students really talking about, you know, such relationships. And I know we have this on campus for a reason. So do you happen to experience a high level of our campus um, representative students coming in and needing services? Absolutely. That's mm -hmm. why we exist. Mm -hmm. um, and it's that's the primary uh, population that we serve to is UNLV students, um, staff and faculty, um, especially young people mm -hmm. coming in fresh out of high school. This is often the first time they're hearing conversations around consent. Mm. They're really exploring certain relationships. They're exploring their sexuality for the first time. Um, and so we really do our best to not only do um, helping them with advocacy after they've experienced violence but also prevention work is really important at the care center and so we do some preventative work around campus and Michaela can talk about that a little bit more too. Yeah absolutely so um, we definitely part of huge part of my job is we do um, presentations around campus so we have presentations around consent um, uh, healthy relationships uh, self-care um, and just uh, presentations to get to know a little bit more about the care center 
Um, and a shameless plug that I have for you all is we have a <laughs> event coming up uh, in October for Domestic Violence Awareness Month. So that's awesome. Perfect time to talk about mm-hmm. it. Perfect time. Um, I love it. <laughs> yes. Just so everyone knows, mm-hmm. it's going to be Tuesday, October 10th okay. from 4 to 6 p.m. We are going to have a Take Back the Night open mic event. And the origins of Take Back the Night is uh, empowering folks to use their voice um, to speak out and to heal through using their voice through storytelling, um, spoken word poetry, um, or just stories in general. And so um, that's a really great example of uh, some of the preventative and healing um, sort of work that we do outside of advocacy at the care center. Thank you so much for sharing that. What a wonderful opportunity to connect and to be feel empowered around it. You know, um, I, I, as we're talking about resources and as we're talking about mm. things that are available for students, can you um, share with us, you, and you've done a lot of that already, sharing in terms of what the Care Center offers, mm-hmm. yeah. but can you talk about the resource that is the Care Center, what you provide, how people can get involved and in touch with you? Um, that would be lovely. Absolutely. Um, so the Care Center, uh, like I mentioned before, offers support services to members of UNLV, uh, NSC, and CSN communities who are oh. impacted by power-based violence. Did not know that. I didn't know it either. CSN mm-hmm. as well. Okay. Yeah. Um, so it's pretty cool. We're working on helping them build their own care center on their individual campuses. Wonderful. But we do help those students and staff members over there. Um, so our advocates, like I talked about earlier, uh, help assist through the power, the process, excuse me, of working through feelings, helping clients identify needs, and overall making decisions together that support clients collaboratively. So the care advocates um, often hold space for clients. Uh, we will see, you're, you're going to see a lot of resources um, in the anti-violence field, um, but it's quite rare to find a resource where a person can just show up authentically and just be. Mm. Um, And so our advocates are trained to hold space for clients and trained to sit with them and allow them to come as they are. And uh, and sometimes that looks like, you know, uh, letting them cry or letting them vent and just rant. And it's it's really a, a safe space for them. We also ensure safety, so we safety plan with clients and create plans together based on like their situation. We have multitudes of safety plans like moving out of a toxic environment or if they want a safety plan around coming out to their family, we can help support that too. Um, We create plans together that help support students' academic, financial, medical needs, reporting if they want to report with Title IX or to police. We help prepare them for that um, and self-care needs. We can help connect clients to resources that will not only help them meet their immediate needs in the moment because we can't really expect them to thrive if their immediate needs aren't met, Mm. but we also have a healing-centered approach to our uh, philosophy. And so we really want to foster um, a sense of self and connect them back to their community and back to themselves and empower themselves because we often see that that power has been taken away. Um, so you can honestly speak with an advocate anytime, Monday through Friday from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. Uh, we have that phone number available on our website. 
Um, or you can schedule up an appointment online. You can just look up the care center at UNLV and all that information is provided. But I'll let Michaela talk a little bit more about how uh, we empower our clients to connect to the community as well. Yeah, so that's a huge part of my job. Um, and so uh, actually today, an example is uh, we do an event called Healing Through Connections, and that is to um, promote and understand that healing looks different for everyone. And um, so it's really great. Today we have our Healing Through Connections Heal Your Inner Child Day. So people get to come and they can heal their inner child through, we're gonna be doing some writing uh, letters to our younger selves. Um, we're gonna have some sensory bins so we can all you know go wild and um, play with our senses, um, some coloring, and just a time to, you know, meet other students um, and staff and faculty um, for them to, you know, have that uh, community sense of healing and understand that it's okay that it looks different for everyone um, and also promote those different ways of healing um, since we know that um, you know, therapy and some of those more common forms of healing are very vital and important, um, but they don't work for everyone. And so it's important to uh, reach out and kind of access those different forms of healing. And so that's what we uh, bring to campus uh, once every semester. So I love it. So informative. We, we're kind of wrapping up here, but we always like to give the guests um, the opportunity to give their final words or anything that you want to leave with the listeners. Oh, final thoughts for you? How would how would people get connected with you? Yeah, um, the final thought that I want to leave is that you are not alone and that we care. Um, so, uh, you know, we understand that there are factors that really prevent people from accessing some support, but uh, we truly strive to be a non-judgmental, um, confirming space for people. Mm -hmm. um, so please come to the Care Center. We're here to support you and you are welcome as you are. Yes, that was beautiful. It you was beautiful. You stole my beginning part. Yeah. So <laughs> I would, beautiful. I would just say I would agree. Um, another like shameless plug for the care center. We also offer free period care products. Mm. We're located right next to financial aid. So um, we're a little catty cornered and a little hidden on campus. But like Tara said, we would love to have uh, people join us. Um, and we're here for you. And we believe you. Okay. Thank you for that. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us. And thank you for all the wonderful resources. Thank you. Thank you. For more Let's Talk UNLV, be sure to follow us on social media where you can get the latest updates on the show plus great behind-the-scenes content. We're on Facebook at Let's Talk UNLV Podcast, Twitter at Let's Talk UNLV, and Instagram at Let's Talk UNLV Pod.